Change is upon us economically and socially. Fall is here, bringing a change of seasons for Earth and of mindset for mortals, said a wise man. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, the wise Fight the Fed, Nick Hodge. This is episode 88 of Bizarro World. We're going to talk gold. We're going to talk Breonna Taylor. We're going to talk the CDC and the Trumpster guy, Elon Musk and Tesla. But before we get to all that, Mr. Hodge, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good, Gerardo. I'm glad somebody reads what I put out there. Sometimes I think it just goes into the ether. The last early advantage article, I read them all, of course, because it's an excellent newsletter, was one of the better written ones or 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 one of the 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 ones that appealed to me the most is a better way of describing that. And I, I, I thought there were multiple quotes in there that that really stood out to me. And uh, the other one was and it seems the volume of things to call. I, well, let me backtrack. It said I've been calling it like I see it for some time now. And it seems the volume of things to call out has only grown in my tenure, while those willing to stand for something, anything has diminished commensurately. You fancy word guy, you. You want to you wanna expand on that, Mr. Hodge? What's on your mind, man? Well, I just think it's a bizarre world is the reason that we do the podcast. And it, whether it's the vast wealth inequality or the, the two-tiered justice system that's emerged or the lack of accountability, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit, it just seems like there's no leadership, right? And we've talked about the dearth of leadership a little bit, but... Uh, I'm talking about in the entire world and and in the country. And it just seems like uh, outside of uh, the business world, we could talk about Mark Cuban a little later coming up with some good ideas. But there's just, uh, you know what it is, it's a fourth turning and there hasn't been a lot of uh, good ideas that have been thrown out there and we're seemingly um, content to, well, kick the can, right? Um down the road and it seems like um whether you want to talk about the nearly three trillion of dirty money that was going through banks which is already out of the headlines because it's a you know it's a known thing right and so there's no visceral reaction to it because it's like yeah of course the banks are laundering money for terrorists and drug cartels or whatever it's right because it's nothing new it's been going on for uh, years i can remember an hsbc story from 10 years ago where they were laundering money for terrorists and so Nothing new under the sun, and it seems like that there has to be something new under the sun for the to catalyze the next uh, cycle forward, and that's the 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 next slice, the next cycle of uh, you know economic vitality and the next cycle of social vitality, which was in the first thing you said there about the the change for uh, the first thing you said social. there. <laughs> you actually said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I look, I think you're 100% correct. And, you know, we're going to talk about Breonna Taylor and the grand jury decision in a bit and, you know, the response again. But I think, um, yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. You know, we're, we're at a point where all of our elected leaders, the powerful ones are, you know, in their mid 70s. Ron Paul is having strokes on air, you know, all the best to him, obviously, and, and, and his family. It sounds like he's stable, but I think it's a sign just of, you know, the, 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 the aging ideas that just are not going to get us out of 
the cycle that we're in, we're going to need youth. We're going to need new ways of thinking. We're going to need um, new approaches. And you mentioned Mark Cuban. I'd love for you, because I read, I, I read something similar to what you're referencing, I believe. Um, I would love for you to kind of get into that before we talk gold and the markets and all of that. Um, what stood out to you from his comments? Well, I was specifically talking about the the income, right? The the thousand dollars to every family is what caught my eye, which is something I think we know is coming. And I'm not sure if that's the right solution or not, but he's someone that's presented um, out of the box ideas and someone that I think has his finger on the pulse uh, more than others when it comes to, you know, he's sort of like a, a Ray Dalio or someone who I think at least, you know, quote unquote, gets it, even though they have outsized wealth, right? Um and I was thinking thinking about it in terms of, of stimulus, right? Because, and, and you could talk about the other things, but I just think there's a lot more stimulus on the way. And I think um, that's just the, the, the new status quo, right? Is uh, the Fed is now in the markets uh, permanently. The government is now going to have to be in the business uh, of permanent stimulus. And maybe there is a place for UBI. He was saying $1,000 checks for all... Uh, American households every couple of months. I don't know the exact terms he was saying, but um, a thousand bucks every two about, weeks for the next two months. There you go. There you go. And so I was thinking about gold because, you know, the, the money printer goes burr, whether that's, mm. you know, the from the Federal Reserve or from uh, the government. Right. And so and that's just the era uh, we're in. And I don't know how long it's going to last. I would submit that. Um, it, it we're sort of on the fulcrum, right? And uh, however long it takes to turn on this fulcrum is is how long this uh, these ideas will be swirling around, and and that's sort of like the window of time for this wealth transfer and this reset that we've been talking about. Because while that's a seemingly good solution now, and I'm I'm honestly not even against it. I heard Andrew Yang talk about it a lot, and I warmed up to the idea. And from a libertarian perspective, it makes some kind of sense, especially when you take into account uh, the vast profits made when they don't internalize the cost, which we've been talking about in the past couple of episodes. And anyway, that window I think is the is the gold window. It's the wealth transfer window. It's what you and I have been talking about for a long time. I watched a video with. Uh, Frank Justra and Ross Beatty, which we can put a link to and should probably even talk about a, a bit in a minute. And they were the same exact ideas. I thought I was listening to a, uh, <laughs> an episode of Bizarre Our podcast where we, were, where we were much older and wealthier. <laughs> let's, hope, let, let, let's hope both of those come to pass, right? The older mm -hmm. and the wealthier. Exactly. Yeah. Well, look, um, this class of politicians you know, I've called it the bottom, right, um, is doing everything in its power to make sure that 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 gold goes up and that the disparity um, in incomes, the wealth inequality in this country and around the world continues. It's accelerating. That's that much is clear. You know, the Democrats finally decided to come back from vacation and offer up a slimmer package that would appeal to Republicans. And, and by slimmer, they meant another two point four trillion dollars. Right. And so. Again, Mark Cuban's approach where you get a thousand bucks every two weeks for two months on a use it or lose it basis so that it's it's a direct stimulus into the economy, um, I thought was practical. Again, I've said before, if we're going to just print money out of thin air, then let's get it to the people. Let's get it to small businesses. Let's quit funneling it to the, the, the better connected, um, the people that can afford the lobbyists. And um, 
yeah, all of that, tying it all in, is extremely bullish for gold. So when we have a pullback like we did this week, we're sitting there at the 1862 level. Um, you hold know, the I, door. Hold the door, right? It, it dropped a few percentage points. Um, I think it's healthy. I think that a lot of people sold out of positions that they then came back in the last few days and 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 bought up and you can see that in the volume of some stocks but it tells you how 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 panicky um even gold bulls are because of you know the trauma of the 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 most recent bear market which was absolutely brutal it bodes well i believe for the sentiment that the generalists have not come in yet right um it's we're a long ways from that. And so, you know, using the baseball analogy again, it's early in the game. There's a whole heck of a lot of game left. And I think, again, if 1800 is the new floor, we're in for a fun couple of years. And obviously, obviously, there's going to be pullbacks. You should be using those to, to bolster positions because, look, bottom line is Keith McCullough, a gentleman that you follow and, 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 and I, I, I follow as well. He said it best. What are your other options? It stocks the major U.S. indices at, you know, 100 times earnings. Um, Bonds where, you know, the central banks are the bidder of last resort and soon will be the only bidders. And in many places already are. Or you switch it up and, 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 you know, you go long commodities, right? And I think, you know, when you look at gold, when you look at copper, when you look at the lack of infrastructure investment around the world, the amount that's needed, I think the next few years are going to be absolutely incredible from that aspect of it. And hopefully this group of politicians and, and, and this group of voters can find a way to just at the very least not make things any worse before, you know, the new guard from both the right, the left and the libertarians come in. And, 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 and you know, hopefully we see a paradigm shift, right? Well, 100 percent. And I think you're, you're four or five years away from that, which we've uh, talked about. Yeah. And I still think that um, I'm only now starting to see um, ads, you know, for for gold ETFs. And I follow a bunch of, you know, generalist newsletters that aggregate uh, stories that I read in the morning. And and gold is only now starting to pop up uh, in them a little bit here and there. So uh, still still very early. And um, to Keith McCullough, you know, uh, we, I've mentioned him a couple of times on this podcast and, and he was saying to, to sell gold last week. And I try not to get that that granular. He makes exceedingly short term moves based on what he calls whatever his macro lens and, and, and his ranges based on the quads that he thinks we're in, which I've been following for a while. And and I, I, I think are quite accurate. I think he does a pretty good job. But I think he thought the dollar was was going to weaken. And the dollar has been perplexing to me this week, because even as I'm looking at it now, it's above a 94 and a half handle, right? And so- Who would have thought? Um, well that, well, right, I know, exactly, there you go. And so I'm interested to see, because as you say, gold is glued to that 1863, man. I mean, it went down to, you know, in the 1850s for a little bit, but then- Didn't, uh, didn't like it there. Right yeah, now. it didn't like it but, at all, right? But but it's glued right to that low 1860s level. And so it, I think it's just, you know, side eye in the dollar as well. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? And the dollar's like, what the fuck are you doing, right? And so I don't know. I'm interested to see what the fuck they're doing. I've said it for five years, man. Gold, <laughs> the overall U.S. indices, and the dollar will rise together um, when when we reach, you know, 
new real all-time highs in the gold price. It has to happen that way because, again, and I hate to be cliche and keep saying the same thing over and over, the dollar is the cleanest, dirty shirt. You know, I, I, I said the last few months of the year and the first quarter of 2021, you shouldn't be surprised to see, you know, dollar strength. And I think that, again, the dollar rallying in the face of a slim down $2.4 trillion proposal on a budget that's already working off, you know, multi-trillion dollar deficits. Um, I think it speaks to the quality of the other currencies. And we have a very, you know, domestic way of looking at things oftentimes. And, and we don't kind of step back and look at the entire forest. And the bottom line is, what, what do you, do you want to pivot into the euro? I mean, do you want to pivot into the peso? Do you want to, you know, there, there, there's just not a lot of great choices. And so, again, the more and more this continues to play out, the better gold looks. And man, if you can find a couple of juniors that know what they're doing and deliver, the leverage is just phenomenal, right? Yeah, I would have to just mention Bitcoin as well, because it's it doesn't like that 10,000 level. And uh, someone was asking me a couple of weeks ago on a live call I was doing for something that was cheap at a trade and Bitcoin came to mind and it's up $700 since then. And I haven't really charted Bitcoin all that much, but some people I follow on, on Twitter uh, seem to think that it's uh, narrowing into a place where it has to, uh, uh, you know, break out or break down. And of course, the bulls think the, the former. And so... Um, just like gold is looking for direction at at uh, eighteen sixty, I think Bitcoin is looking to get back above uh, eleven thousand and sooner than later. Agreed. You talked about few op. You talk about few options. That's just that is an option. Absolutely, absolutely no. And one worth mentioning. And you know, I know that you know the Bitcoin space, the 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 cryptocurrency space, isn't the sexiest to be talking about right now. But it is absolutely an option. And to that point, you know, the ECB started talking about introducing a digital euro, right? And um, again, they're scrambling behind the scenes. I you you can just some of the stuff they're throwing up against the wall is 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 amateur hour except it's the central bankers that dictate monetary policy that are doing it and so it's uh just be careful out there everyone be careful i'll say that let's talk copper a bit it pulled back a bit but still trading right around the three dollar level it's at 297 the last i looked um copper gold play sold off for a day or two they came right back any thoughts on copper I'm strong for the same reasons yeah. that you mentioned about infrastructure. And uh, let's take a step back. And actually, I, I want to turn the question back to you. You talk about um, uh, rising dollar and, and rising gold, but it's been a weak dollar that's driven commodities for the past, whatever, three months. We've talked about lumber and we've talked about other things. Do you see uh, the same thing? Rising dollar, rising gold, rising copper? Is that that's what you that's what you see? I do because Powell and 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 you know his buddies are hell bent on making sure that savers continue to get punished and that things continue to rise. You know, and by things I mean you know tangible things like lumber, like crab cakes, like copper, um, housing. You know yeah. how that you, we have a a historically red hot housing market here in the U.S. at a time where people can't go anywhere, where. A lot of people still aren't working. Unemployment is near double digits, you know, and, and, and again, we have, you know, year on year housing prices that are double digit appreciation. It's, 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 it, it's madness, frankly, and, and it should be maddening for the people that are paying attention 
um, unless you're on the right side of it. And by the right side of it, we've said this over and over. It's the people with exposure to financial assets, real estate, all of that um, commodities. And, and luckily, you and I are positioned that way. But man, again, I, I really do feel for the people that have no idea what's going on and are trying to figure it out and can't figure out why, why child care costs as much, if not more, as putting your kid through college. It's insanity, right? And there's thousands of examples like that where it's just becoming tougher and tougher to find upward mobility. Not the rule, but it is becoming tougher. I think everybody can see that. Did you know that copper was the traditional gift <laughs> for the seventh wedding anniversary? The seventh. Is that right? The seventh. All right. My the favorite seventh. My favorite number. I learned something. I learned something every time I speak with you, Nick. It's my wife and I's seventh wedding anniversary. And so that's the only reason hey. I know that this week is because I was looking to see what the, you know, how there's traditional gifts for every anniversary. Like the first one is paper, et cetera. And that's where you get the thing like a diamond anniversary, right? Or a golden anniversary. <laughs> those are the traditional gifts for the higher levels of anniversaries. But, and in the lower numbers, the single digits, which we're still in, it's cheaper things like um, copper, for example. And so, um, Anyway, I don't know why I'm telling you that, but I got my wife a um, a dish. You know, she puts her rings like in a dish on the on the bathroom counter, and I got her a copper dish with our initials in it. So that's like a gold copper plate, right? Because she'll have like the gold rings and the copper dish. I'm always doing it, Gerardo. I'm always doing it. <laughs> well, congratulations <laughs> to you and your wife. Um, <laughs> you got to do it. What are you gonna do, Nick? I'm just telling you about my gold copper play. I don't know. <laughs> I'm taking her out to dinner tonight. That's what we're doing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Let's um, let's keep it to the medals. Battery day. Elon Musk. Um, we don't really follow. I don't really follow the stock all that that much. But you know, I do follow developments there because they're so far ahead when it comes to electric vehicles. And obviously, they have. You know, the company has the power to move markets, and and you know, it, it affects. Um, the price of you know lithium and the supply and the demand and nickel and cobalt and palladium and everything else that's tied to it. Um, it was interesting to me that on battery day, I, I think the same day, if not within a day or two of each other, you know, Governor Newsom in California decides that by 2035, I believe, um, gas vehicles will no longer be sold in the state. This isn't you know a tiny state with a million people. It's fucking California. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I saw, you remember a couple of months ago, we were starting to talk about the Robin Hood traders. And yeah. I think I was talking about this, this kid who did a video and he was talking about how to buy um, calls on, like, on, on, <laughs> yep. on Tesla, right? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we put uh, the link up. Yeah, we put the link. That's right. And so this week after Battery Day, I saw somebody else tweet this video of this girl and I could find it if I really searched. So I'll, I'll find it. We can put a link up. It was like, you know, Trader Girl or something on, on Twitter. And she was giving her analysis of, of Battery Day Boy. And um, let me tell you, this this is a, 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 we're in bubble territory as far as these you think? Uh, <laughs> EV stories are concerned. I mean, you saw Nicola, the short report. I don't even know what I'm talking about now. I'm just going to talk for a second about all this because um, the Nikola, you saw how much it was going up and and, and um, then a short report came out and now it's taken a complete round trip, right? Um, but just shit out of like a, a storybook, right? Like 
that the car was going downhill in the promotional video. It wasn't even being propelled by like the electric battery component system. It, it was just gravity. Um, <laughs> that was right. a they learned a, technological breakthrough was gravity. The, I was telling somebody this week, well, they learned a bit about gravity. All right. That's <laughs> I mean, the stock has come back down now. And then you have this other one. I mean, there's an announcement seemingly every day, but there was this Scottish power group. I think that's what it was called. That is like a solar company. And they announced this week that they were um, going to make a a foray into the EV market. Like don't even have shit, right? Just like all these other ones. And the stock was up uh, like over 3000% in one (laughs) single day, right? Um, Anyway, back to Tesla. So this girl was telling us why uh elon was going to do what he was going to do and he was going to make these batteries and the lithium products in germany and um, i mean she just knew it all right and and i'll have to put a link up but you know it's sort of and it just reminded me of that kid who was doing the robin hood trading video like that kid didn't know shit about calls and this girl doesn't know shit about the lithium supply chain right (laughs) um and so you know um and just like elon said he was going to source uh you know, lithium from North America. And then, you know, Elon got a lesson on the lithium supply chain, right? And figured out he couldn't source it from the United States or whatever. And so not that Elon's dumb. He's obviously a brilliant man and and, and he's done well to to catalyze the entire global uh, US, uh, or entire global auto market into, you know, making electric uh, vehicles. But, uh, you know, a mining engineer, he is not. And a mining developer, he is not. And so, um Anyway, I, you know, I, I don't know if I've answered your question, but um, and, and as far as the California thing, I mean, yeah, I'm all for these uh, initiatives. They always take longer than anticipated. I've talked about that a lot on this podcast. I've been seeing calls for, you know, we're going to be zero emission by whatever. And then it keeps going 5, 10, 15 years out. Um, but the initiative is there. What I think when I see those headlines is like, well, that's awesome. It's just, you know, we got to buy more lithium and rare earth stocks and nickel stocks or whatever, because if you're transitioning away from gas, you're just transitioning toward battery metals, right? I mean, that's how I view that. And so um, last thing on the battery thing is, you know, I'm not exactly uh, sh- sure entirely what Elon said, but it sounds like he thinks he's going to manufacture some of these lithium components um, by by himself and 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 I welcome the effort because it's going to put uh, a, a spotlight on on things like that, which is to me where the true value is um, in this whole you know EV electrification movement thing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Any names out there that seem like good speculations for people to go do some due diligence on and make their own mind up about whether or not it's suitable for their portfolio. Yeah, I mean, the company you interviewed recently was Critical critical Elements Lithium and one that, you know, I, I've been developing a relationship with and participated in a financing at uh, 30 cents and it's since moved up to about 38 or 39 or, or 40 cents here recently. Why do you um, keep buying I, things that go up after? <laughs> it doesn't always work that way for <laughs> sure. <laughs> and they didn't for a long time. Um and, 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 you know, I didn't know the critical elements was going to, but I like the, the asset and I like the, the people that were in, involved. And, um, and so it's a Quebec, it's a hard rock lithium asset, uh, lithium uh, assets, spodamine. And it's at the permitting stage, really at the, at the construction decision stage, trying to, to bring in a partner or figure out how they're going to uh, finance construction, waiting on a permit for the Quebec government that, uh, is is imminent 
and um, has done good to, to to lay good relations with the the Cree Nation, which is the indigenous people there. Um, is bringing them in on the development of the project. Has a gentleman that sold uh, a lithium company for several hundred million dollars. Um, Stefan Haber running the the thing is president, and so I checked a lot of boxes and. You know, I've looked at a lot of lithium deals. I've been involved in lithium deals as far back as whatever, 2015, 2016. And um, that How'd was you do on that first deal, Nick. That was sort of like the lithium <laughs> bubble. We did good on a couple of lithium deals. Um, we did good on on uh, millennial lithium, a couple mm-hmm. of hundred percent. And we did even better on, on lithium, uh, lithium X getting mm-hmm. in at 15 cents while it was private and then. Um, you know, making 14 or 1500% when it was bought out for over $2 by the Chinese. And so, um, but better than a double, (laughs) if we're, if we're comparing assets, though, critical element has a better asset than lithium X had. Right. And so, um, and it's in a better jurisdiction, it's in Canada. And so all those reasons, I I think it's a good name and, um, you know, what else? There's been a lot of uh, headaches, right? If you look at other companies that have tried to build, um, Mines, And so uh, I think we're getting a little bit uh, past that. This doesn't have uh, quite the CapEx, right? And so, um, yeah, I think it's a good name to take a look at. I like it. Here's another one. Uh, Generation Mining. They have a huge palladium. And, and correctly, it could be called the Palladium Copper Project, right? That also has some gold in there as a kicker. But um, very similar in the sense that it's an advanced stage project. It's got incredibly successful management people that know how to develop and monetize assets and um yeah i think uh i i, I think if you want to diversify a bit and have some palladium and copper exposure it's uh, in ontario i think generation mining is an excellent name and i'll throw one more out there well, and um, importantly has backing from uh Sabanye because don't forget this was a stillwater asset before Sabanye and stillwater combined and they remain a large shareholder you got it. And, and, and that's a big deal. You're absolutely correct. So, you know, that's 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 a name that I would encourage everybody to look at. Um, another one is Leading Edge Materials. Leading Edge Materials is a company that I've followed for years. They have the large world class um, rare earth asset, heavy rare earths, the uh, the Nora Shar asset in Sweden. And, you know, that was permit challenged for a while. And then and, and to Leading Edge's credit, they kept it in good standing. They brought some people that are very well connected and known um, to, to, to the players in the region that are looking to establish an independent critical metal supply chain. And I think that the Nora Shar asset is significantly significantly undervalued right now relative to leading edge materials as market cap. And they have, you know, some copper assets, uranium assets in, in, in Romania that they're working on securing that, that, that could be company makers in their own right. But the main event is absolutely Nora Shar. And there's a big push out of Europe and around the world, frankly, to, to establish these independent critical metal supply chains. So that's, that's, it's a lot of free names, everybody generation, critical elements, lithium, um, yeah, uh, you're getting your money's worth today. I like it. I like it. Let's talk the Trumpster. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Well, I do know why this has got as much media attention as it has. I, I, I do understand why. Um, and I'm talking about, of course, the fact that he says or refuses to say that he'll concede if defeated 
at the ballot box in November. And and the reason I say I don't understand is because it's it has a relatively simple solution and outcome. If you lose and you don't concede peacefully, then it just won't be peaceful. Look, th- this is where we're at in society. I told everybody it was going to be a hot summer in the spring. It's been a hot summer. It's going to be a crazy fall and winter. Um, that's just the bottom line. That's where we're at in America in 2020. If you don't concede and the numbers show you lost and you don't want to leave peacefully, then guess what? You'll leave not peacefully. That There's only one solution, right, Nick? Am I wrong? Am I simplifying this way too much? I mean, that's Occam's razor, the simplest solution, right? Um, I just think that he's a shit talker, if you want my two cents. But yeah, no, I mean, that's the solution, peacefully or not peacefully. I like how uh, Obama insulted him. Did you see <laughs> Obama was saying, you just have to cut off the cable so he can't watch TV and then go and then he'll leave. That's funny to me. Um, hey, listen. You know what everybody is not talking about, and I'm starting to get the feeling I got in 2016, is we might not have to talk about him vacating or conceding because he might win. He might. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. What do the betting odds say? I haven't looked lately. You know, I, I don't know either, but I can tell you right now while I blabber for a second is that, you know, when I look at, I talked earlier about it, read all these generalist newsletters in the morning, the betting odds are at 54.3% for Trump and 433 uh, 5% for, or no, excuse me, 54.3% for Biden and 43.5%. I was going to say that's a heck of a swing. Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> no. But when I look at like the the polling or the poll of polls or uh, last week, the New York Times unveiled, you know, like their election, like polling page where they have all these different scenarios for the Electoral College and, you know, assemble all the polls. Um, but they have all these asterisks, right? And so if you read what the asterisks say first, um, as you should all, <laughs> that's where I right start. <laughs> they all say that um uh basically all this all this polling data is well and good but if all this is off the same way it was off in 2016 um then trump wins and um you know that to me was like this is what people aren't talking about right and then the other thing i start to think about and i'm no political analyst and i don't have a model or anything like that I'm, this is all gut blind squirrel feeling stuff right it's like who the fuck wants to vote for biden like what's his like um core um well what's his core message first of all and then like what's his core audience like is there a is there a band of like hardcore biden folks out there like there was for for bernie or yang for that matter no like who was who had Biden as their first choice, right? Like, you think he can, like... Or Kamala uh, rally, as a second. <laughs> rally the masses to, like, come out there and vote for him? I'm certainly not like, oh, yeah, let me go out there and vote for Biden. Like, I don't know. I just don't think he instills excitement in anybody, despite what they might say, um, you know, when the phone rings from a pollster, right? And so I just don't... And, and when I look at Trump, uh, he's got a fervent base. I mean, you can say a lot of things about the guy, uh, but his base is united and excited and vocal and fervent. And you can't say any any of those things about the Biden camp. And that to me is, you know, it, it, it means a lot as far as the outcome is concerned. He markets well. If there's one thing Trump does exceedingly well is market and cater to his base 
without regard for, as he calls it, the other half of America, because he doesn't care. <laughs> and at least right. he tells you he doesn't care. And you know what? His base loves it because a lot of them don't care either. And so, no, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's, um, we're getting close, Nick. We're coming up on the end of September you know, here. You, you know what? Not to cut you off, Gerardo, but I actually saw something the other day that I wanted to ask you about, and this is a pretty good forum to do so. You know he has like a cadre of um, ardent Latino supporters, Trump does. I've been he reading does. A couple of ar- I've been reading a couple of articles about it. What do you, what's your insight there? I think... And I is don't that like want the, to sorry, generalize. Is that, like the, is that like the Cubano? Like yes, and that's uh, what I was going to yes. say. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I and I, I didn't want to generalize, but I was going to anyway in saying that. Look, I have. I matter of fact, look, I have a a a. a I, I wouldn't say a good friend. I would say an acquaintance, a good acquaintance, um, gentleman, mid fifties Cuban guy. Him and his wife, great couple, great group of people. Um, we get along well, you know, we used to hang out, go for drinks, you know, do the usual. And, um, they're, they're very pro Trump, you know, and, and they, and, and they have their reasons and, you know, they're, they're, they're your very stereotypical Cuban couple in the sense that they came to this country from Cuba, very young, getting away from the Castro administration. They, they moved to Miami. They became very successful. He was a corporate attorney. Um, you know, and, and, and they, 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 they got ahead and they really have a lot of respect and support for Trump saying the things that he says when he says them for whatever reason, I don't know what the motivation is other than I understand the wanting of small government. If you come from a place, because I want small government as well, right? If you come from a place where the government is so corrupt and abusive um, and you land in a place like America and you're able to, 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 to really live out the American dream as my family has, you know, my disagreement there is, is, is a, pol- a policy one. I just, I don't believe that the Trump administration or the Biden administration for that matter uh, are for small government. Everything that I see. I mean, we were talking about the hysterectomies last week for crying out loud. That's the biggest government you can get. Correct. And that brings me back to my point of Trump markets well. I don't know why he resonates as much as he does with a certain voting block of the Hispanic community, but he does. But he does, you know. And so, like you said, it just it speaks to his ability to message and brand. And um, I'm, I'm yeah, wondering no, if ahead. it's almost I'm just wondering if it's almost something bigger. Like it's happened with the Italians as well. Like, um you know, like my grandfather voted for like Kennedy, but then voted for Reagan. Right. And so uh, I'm wondering in, in the context of like generational turnings and the, you know, the 20 year cycles that are inside of that. I'm wondering if there's just something bigger going on with that sort of like what I just explained with going from Kennedy, Kennedy to Reagan. And if it's and you mentioned the American dream specifically, you just mentioned that. I'm wondering if it's like they think Trump embodies that more and so it resonates more and then uh last thing i'll say is um i told you a couple of weeks ago i was rereading the fourth turning and um i almost think we need trump to get to the to the to the next thing right to like um the final like, nail in the coffin before the cycle exactly, turns because it has to be a dead of winter man it has to be 
either in, like we've talked about it in yep. all out war or like in 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 history it would be like the death of a king or the death of a, a big family member that was a powerful house or you know something cataclysmic and uh, just trump is just more cataclysmic than biden for me agreed and 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 i'll say this and i said this you know a year or two ago and i said it in the beginning of the summer um it's almost there, like a fulfilling of prophecy or destiny. It, it, anyway. it, it is. And and the part that I hope isn't true, because I don't, you know, I don't wish death on, on, on Mr. Trump. I disagree with many of his policies and I think his personal character is, is a shit, frankly. But I, 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 I don't wish him harm or, or anything of that sort. I just, I, I, I go through history and I read about when Kennedy was assassinated. And when it comes to talking points, a lot of the same grievances that Kennedy had, Trump has been unafraid to vocalize. Um, he spoke out against the military saying, I don't believe, you know, the soldiers love me. I don't think the generals love me because they just want to go to war. I agree with that statement. Um, I, I, I think he's right about that. Not that he's doing anything about it, but I think he's right about that. That's dangerous um, to publicly be doing that. This is also the same president that has talked down his secret service. That's dangerous. Um, the same president that's talked down his FBI. Dangerous. And so, you know, these are a lot of the things that Kennedy was doing. And it didn't end well. And, and I hope that's not the case this go around. But you mentioned fourth turnings and how, you know, the final act tends to be before the turning tends to be um, one of, 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 you know, on an epic scale. And, right. and we're going to see, you know, him, him, him winning is definitely a possibility. And then I think it'll get, you know, even more interesting. Um, that's what I mean. That's yeah. what we need. It, it, as bad as it sounds like that's like the, you talk about like a final purging in the junior mining space or whatever, right? You need like a final purging in the political space where it hits rock bottom because either um, a, that happens under Biden, which I just, said it, I think is less likely. Biden, I think, is less cataclysmic. Or B, <laughs> Biden is the savior. And so I, I don't believe that either. And so I, I just tend to think it's more the former, that Trump's second term is ultimate bottom versus uh, Biden is the uh, start of a new beginning. Does that make sense? It, it, it does. And here's an interesting third option as you're talking. I'm thinking it, you know, let's say Biden is announced as the winner and Trump does not concede power peacefully. And so it happens the only other way, but it's the military that turns on him or, you know, his party, which faced with, oh shit. Well, that's how Aaron Sorkin would write it. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> that is exactly how Aaron Sorkin would write it. And then in the midst of that, you know, we have social upheaval centered around people that truly do believe he was cheated. And, and, and this is why that language is dangerous, right? Um, because ultimately he'll be in the bunker tweeting, watching Fox News, looking pic at pictures of, you know, Stormy Daniels. He's not going to be on the front lines shooting and throwing punches with you. Um, but everyday Americans will. We, we, we've seen this all summer. Um, I want to talk Brianna Taylor in a bit, but you know, we've seen what language triggers pun intended in America, and it's increasingly becoming more violent. And that scenario worries me for the average everyday American, you know, Joe, the plumber 
um, that's just wanting to work hard, wanting to get ahead, wanting some upward mobility, and really believing what this guy says. Because I don't think even he believes it most of the time. He just, he'll win at all costs. And, and that is what it is. Um, even if he loses, he'll want to win. And so, again, it's um, just be careful out there, everyone. The election is soon. It's sad that in 2020, we're worried about the violence centered around an election, right? We're not even... We're not we're not sitting here worried about the policy. We're not worried about the fact that we still haven't had any immigration reform, any health care reform. He's promising 200 bucks in gift cards, yeah. you know, to everybody that he hasn't budgeted for. I mean, it, it's just magical fairy tale stuff that's going on. You know, Biden comes out every six days. He has somebody tweeting for him. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're hoping he's lucid and, and has some policy proposals. And he's, you know, to his credit, he's actually put forth. Um, you know, the, the policy proposal that, that can help beat him, right? He's telling people he's going to raise their taxes. Now, I agree that eventually we got to pay for things and, and, and that our deficit is out of control. I don't think you address that in the first two years if you are the incoming president. I think the, the smart strategy would have been to say, look, until we're back in, you know, society the way that we used to be pre-COVID, there will be a freeze on all tax raises. It's not going to happen. We want businesses to get back to doing what they were doing, people to get back to the workplace. And then we can have a conversation in two years about raising taxes and paying for this disastrous economic policy of the past several administrations. But it's gotten out of hand under Trump. Be absolutely clear about that. This was pre-COVID. So he, you know, that's not the route he's going. He's saying, no, you know, I'm, I'm going to raise taxes. I'm going to make the capital gains tax, you know, go yep. from, you know, uh, nearly double. Right. And, and, and so yep. starting yeah, at, a, at a, at a, at a fairly, you know, not million dollar threshold, like several hundred thousand threshold. Correct. And, and so again, like, it's like another shot at, 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 you know, people's ability to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, as the Republicans like to say, it's like from both sides, it, it it's just you're getting cut off at the knees, man, with with the policy um, that, that that both administrations are going to pursue. So, again, regardless of the outcome, I, I, I do see volatility. There's a debate next week. Um, that'll be interesting. Wait. I can't wait. I'll, I'll actually watch it. You know, I the last time I tried watching something politically related. Um, I had to watch the Trump town hall and that was a disaster. Right. And halfway through that, I was like, all right, I've had enough of this. I can't wait to see what it looks like when Biden's on the stage or, you know, when Biden's on the zoom call, it's going to be interesting. He's really got to stand up to a Biden if he has uh, any shot at all. Agreed. Yeah. I think everyone's watching. That's the, uh, the 29th. I think it is one note on the violence is you said it was going to be a hot summer and certainly it's been a lot of protests, a lot of, uh, uh, murders in, in big cities and um, two things. Uh, one, this sort of happens every election cycle, um, you know, with a Democrat threatening is, you know, they're going to take your guns and the, the price of guns goes up a little bit and there's a little bit of a run or whatever. Um, but this year, it's a little bit different, I think, for a couple of reasons. And um, one is this, like I bought a couple of boxes of ammo uh, a couple of months ago to cite in my rifle for this coming uh, hunting season. And because um, I got a, a new scope anyway, it's a long story. I had to test a couple of types of ammo, right? So I did that a couple of weekends ago. I figured out which ammo my gun liked the best and cited in my rifle. So I went back to the same website uh, to buy more of that ammo that I determined was the one that was good for my gun. And um, 
it, didn't, it wasn't on the website anymore. You couldn't buy that uh, same kind. And when I did find it on another website, um, it was up more than like it had increased in price by like five dollars per box. And so and this is in a span of just like two months. And then, and that's just an anecdote, of course, but the scarcity and the price for ammunition is both rising. And I think that speaks to the demand, which is what you were talking about earlier. But um, more sinister is, um, and I don't know if this has to do more with COVID or the political situation or not, but like other type of gear, like mm-hmm. um, I was buying uh, 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 like a, a backpack, like a frame backpack in case I had to haul a deer out of this hunt I was going to go on. Um, You quarter up the animal and you can like strap it to the frame. But these are also packs that like military guys use. Like some of the brands are crossover that make them like um, uh, Kifaru, for example. Some guys will take Kifaru packs and they'll take them to Afghanistan or on their deployment to Iraq because they're similar to like the rucksacks that are issued and you're allowed to to use your own brand or whatever. you can't get these backpacks like people are like buying them like they're preparing for something like the one company i was looking at was like six weeks out on on like the frames and so it's just weird and and i know that people are camping more and doing more outdoor things it's just i don't know it's just weird yeah no look my wife was handgun shopping you know several months ago and i mean i kid you not nick it was you know <laughs> every store she went to, they were just completely wiped out. And it was like, well, you could order something and it'll be here in a month. That's crazy. And, and again, you know, my wife isn't, you know, a huge gun enthusiast for self-defense purposes, obviously. But um, even she was just amazed at the fact that she goes, I've, I've, you know, I've been to six different places and all, none of them have what I'm looking for. And so, yeah, no, it's, um, it's a coiled spring and not in the good way. And I'll just ask that everybody try to, you know, whatever your political beliefs are, be civil, be kind to each other, make your country better, make your community better. Um, you don't have to agree to do those things. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm here in just outside of Austin, Texas and in, in Round Rock, Round Rock tends to, to lean more conservative than Austin and you know, you, you got your Biden groups and you have your Trump groups and all of that. That's fine. Believe in what you want to believe in. But, you know, you can do good and represent your community and your country and, and, and your family and, and disagree completely with the other side of it um, and not be violent. But we'll see. It's going to be what it's going to be. Uh, I, I We have to talk, you know, Breonna Taylor really quick. I, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. For those of you not familiar, Breonna Taylor was a young black woman in Louisville, Kentucky, who was sleeping at midnight with her boyfriend. The police were executing what's called a no-knock warrant at midnight. They were looking for an ex-boyfriend of Breonna Taylor, who not only no longer lived there, but was in custody. They didn't knock. They kicked the door down. They run inside yelling. The boyfriend of Breonna Taylor hears his door being kicked down hears men rushing inside yelling and fires off a shot that allegedly struck one of the officers. The officers react by shooting dozens, and I'm not talking one or two, I'm talking three or four dozens of bullets um, back in the direction of supposedly Mr. Walker. Um, Brianna Taylor ends up dead. And this week, the grand jury in Kentucky 
decided that the only thing the officer whose bullets killed Breonna Taylor did wrong was shooting into the white neighbor's house with wanton disregard. And so he was the only person indicted and he wasn't even indicted for shooting Miss Taylor. He was indicted for shooting, you know, bullets into the white neighbor's house. I have to double check, but I don't even think it was the officer that killed Breonna Taylor that was indicted. I think it was another officer that was indicted for wanton uh, endangerment whose whose bullets went into another another apartment. Not even the gentleman who killed her. And so um, it's a perfect... Uh, well, it's clearly not perfect. But it's a it perfect fuck to, you of where America is with justice, right? That's what it, it exactly. Is. It goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning. The nobody stands for uh, something, let alone anything. This is. Mm. Um, I saw a lot of articles going around this week about you know what wanton endangerment is, and you know, I, you know, I know exactly what wanton endangerment is. It's a it's a cop out, right? It's a it's a lack of accountability. It's a unwillingness to stand up for anything um, that's patently obvious to anyone um, who takes a second to consider it thoughtfully. Right. Um, And and yeah, you know, I'm not a a, a legal expert, but um, it's not you have common sense. (laughs) Exactly. It's not hard to see that something is wrong there and someone needs to be held uh, accountable. It's like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Um, where we learned that Edward Snowden was vindicated and laws were broken. Uh, but no one's going to be held accountable for that. We know something was wrong, um, but there's no justice, right? And 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 what have they been saying in the streets for months? No justice, no peace. And, you know, that's exactly where we are. And not just justice with the cops, although this is a perfect uh, example of it, but Justice with those banks that are laundering the money for the terrorists, right? That we so vehemently want to defend America against, right? Well, why don't you fucking uh, penalize the banks who are laundering their money, right? It's like obvious stuff. And again, that's what a turning is. More and more people uh, starting to see it and and stand for something, stand against it, right? And so, I don't know. That's just how I... It's, again, it's just how I see it. Agreed. And a couple of points. I mentioned the fact that the only officer charged was charged for discharging his weapon and shooting bullets into a white neighbor's home. That that was the only person charged. I don't mention it because it's all about race. It's not. Daniel Cameron, who is the Kentucky Attorney General, is black. He is the gentleman that's enabled this grand jury and this investigation to go in the direction it went. Be absolutely clear, everybody. It's about power, right? And again, same turning, thing in Rochester. The gentleman was black in Rochester. Thing. Absolutely, it's just the gentleman about, who tased the, the white lady this this week for not wearing her mask. I don't know if you saw that video. That cop was black. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I I also saw a white officer run over a white guy with his bike. Literally, the guy, the protesters sitting on the floor, incapacitated, face down, and an officer runs his head over, white on white. So it's not about race. It's about power. It's about oppression. It's about skewing things to where, yes, Americans lose everyday rights because of the war on terror supposedly and meanwhile we can't arrest one banker 
export funneling funds of cartels and and terrorist organizations not one arrest it it's it's it it has to happen the way it's happening or it doesn't have to happen the way it's happening but because it's happening this way coiled spring it, it's going to yep. be more vol- volatile and again um real world impl- implications implications for the markets um just just uh you know i i <laughs> it's a pivotal time in this country and, and globally. And I think you're absolutely right, Nick. I think, I think we have, you know, several more years of this. I don't think this ends after the election. Um, 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 yeah, I'm with you. 20, 20, 27, 2028 ish. Um, it's going to be very interesting. I hope to talk about it with you every week. Rest in peace to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RBG. Um, you know, Whatever side of the political spectrum you're on, if you care about politics or not, what an incredible person, right? Just um, the amount of 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 groundbreaking um, achievements and and milestones and trend setting and opening of doors for future generations on all sides, whether you're on the right or the left, male, but especially female. Um, just a tremendous human being. I was I was saddened to hear of her passing. Um, had to mention that before we go, Nick, I have to ask you about immunoprecise, man. I looked at the chart again and what was your entry point on that when you recommended it? Oh gosh, Jordan, I'd have to go and look, which I can do for you right now, but we're up, uh, I think 220%. So what does that make it? 75 cents ish, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, um, that, that's my feel good story to end the podcast on because they're doing some important work that might help us get to the other side of this COVID pandemic slash, you know, government imposed lockdown slash government imposed crippling of our economy slash I could continue on. But anyhow, do you want to explain to the people what they're working on and what this little company has been able to pull off? Cause it's impressive for a small company. I mean, if I can, Try. I got to read all the press releases 10 times because I'm dumb, Gerardo, and these press releases are are pretty dense. But, um, you know, they have uh, advanced platforms that they can um, use to synthesize uh, and test different um, antibody formulations by the millions. And they generate them from different animals. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before from uh, math, mice and rats and uh, rabbits and, and llamas. Um, and when and they've been doing this for, <laughs> for, for a while. And then they can humanize those antibodies. So um, the way I always explain it to myself and others, and it's very rudimentary and I'm not a doctor, uh, is, um, you know, the, the disease uh, or the target is a lock and the antibody uh, is a key. And you got to cycle through as many keys or antibodies as you can until you find one that fits in the lock. And then you can, if you get one that fits in a very important lock, um, like rheumatoid arthritis, for example, um, then you can uh, make uh, like Humira, which is the most profitable drug in existence. And that's an antibody drug, um, an antibody-based drug. And so... Uh, I'm making it a long story, but immediately when when COVID-19 came out, Immunoprecise started directing this platform toward finding a lock, an antibody for the uh, coronavirus, finding a key, an antibody key to the coronavirus lock. And um, early on, they were successful in finding several antibodies that showed early promise in vitro in the lab 
of neutralizing the spike protein. That's the, the longest little spike on the molecule of coronavirus that you always see. So it can't transmit the disease. Hmm. I mean, very quickly, they've acted to um, test that more and to find an adjuvant. Um, you'll remember what an adjuvant is, Gerardo, from uh, stellar biotechnology <laughs> days. And so they found, an, they found an adjuvant that um, stimulates or can stimulate uh, the immunoresponse in anticipation of delivering the key. So sort of like a quick one-two, right? Um, and without getting any more technical, uh, they've advanced to a place where they can, they're can they starting to produce these to do uh, preclinical studies or trials. And, um, you know, I've said for a while they weren't mincing words. I was said a couple of months ago, it sounded to me like they were scientifically bragging. Um, and, and this week they said... I don't want to get the quote wrong, so let me see exactly what it was. But they think that the way that they're analyzing these antibodies, and here's how the quote starts, will help advance. I oh, know that's not it. Sorry. Um, Bo, where is it? Characters will advance. Yeah, it will help advance our aim of bringing a safe and efficacious products uh, to the clinic. And they think it will, quote, have a significant impact toward a successful single low-dose vaccine against SARS-CoV-2. And so that's like not mincing words, right? They're saying we're going to have a significant impact on finding a vaccine. And I know there's a lot of vaccines in various stages of trials, uh, but you and I have discussed the, the, the problems with rushing a vaccine and the distribution of a vaccine. And I don't know if Immunoprecise is going to do it or not, but uh, the chart has been fantastic and, and readers of mine are up nearly uh, 250% at this point. And um, it's one of those things where now it's breaking out. It's above 52-week highs. So it's going to depend on the news and the results of these trials, but the market's excited about it. Sounds like some happy readers out there. Hope so. I like it. I like it. Nick, anything else? No, that's it. I appreciate it. We're getting long in the tooth. little bit. Everybody be nice, be kind, wash your hands. <laughs> be civil, be human. Um, that's all we got this week. I'm Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Fight the Fed, Nick Hodge. This was episode 88, Nick. 88 of Bizarro World. Have a good yeah. week, everybody. <laughs>